going to begin in the book of Genesis, so if you don't know where that, that one's at, just crack your Bible open. We'll be there. Genesis, the first chapter. We've been working in an area about the church and about the uh, ordination of God assembling the people together. That's something that we so enjoy here. Uh, we have such a great body and, and uh, we have families here, children, all the way up to the aged and adults here. And so well-rounded, we thank the Lord for all of the ones that God has collected together with us. But we believe in this thing called church. Now, some people stumble at that word and say, well, that word really doesn't mean church, ecclesia. But really, it is the called out. It's not only the called out. It is the gathering together of the called out. And that's why we do that on a Sunday. You could all stayed home and done something else. But there's something in my spirit that calls me away from my thing into God's thing. That's a part of that being ecclesia, called out. Called out of what? Called out of your stuff into God's things. And so that's why we're here this morning. It's a, it's a great thing. I'm not going to preach again upon the assembling per se itself, but I want to talk about something that goes on inside of the assembling. And so the Lord's kind of led us in this direction. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read out of Genesis, the first chapter, the first verse, second verse, and the third verse. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. And here's the verse that we want to look at. And God said. And God said. Let there be light. And there was light. And God said. God said. If you go with me to the, to the uh, New Testament now. I want to check in at the book of First Timothy. And we've got a scripture to read there in 1 Timothy. And it is the uh, fourth chapter in the first verse. We just came off of Genesis 1 and God said, we want to look at this fourth chapter, 1 Timothy, first verse. But the Spirit expressly says, or King James Version the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some will depart from the faith, cleaving to deceiving spirits and teachings and doctrines of devils. But the point is that the Spirit speaks expressly in words that can be understood. Expressly. I've got one more verse that I want to go to, and that's back into 1 Thessalonians, the fifth chapter. 
And Paul is giving just different admonition here by the unction of the Spirit of God in the fifth chapter to the Thessalonian church. And starting in the 16th, just rejoice always, pray without ceasing, verse 17, verse 18, and in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And verse 19, do not quench the Spirit. In verse 20, do not despise prophecies. Verse 21, test all things and hold fast to that which is good. Keep back from every form of evil. I want to draw out the 19th and 20th. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophecies. I'm going to talk about something that goes on in the house of the Lord. Very important. The Lord kind of opened my eyes to something here, and that happens occasionally when I go to study his word. I hope that does to you too. The Lord kind of opened my eyes to a thing. But we want to talk about this morning, how does God speak? How does God speak? And Lord, we ask you for an enlightening, an understanding. Out of your word, Lord, you have this ability to open our eyes. Because you said that the enemy hides the things of God. It's hidden. It's disclosed. The flesh doesn't know the things of God. doesn't have the mind of the things of God. And neither can it know. But, but by your spirit. Now you begin to reveal. By your spirit, you begin to open up to us, Lord. And so we sit here this morning, and we are in the flesh. Every one of us are sitting here in the flesh. But, Lord, we don't want the mind of the flesh open. We want the mind of the spirit open this morning. That we'll hear your word, Lord. That we'll hear your word. We'll hear your voice. We'll know your voice. And we ask it in your name, Jesus, for the good of the body, the church, and the good of the kingdom. Amen. 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 A few weeks ago, we preached a message about a question. Somebody asked the question. Remember, I saw it when we were, uh, heard it. Brother Kay told it to me when we were in, in uh, Colorado, and I came back, and this was in my heart. Does the Holy Spirit have a body? Does everybody remember that? Does the Holy Spirit have a body? And the quick answer to that is absolutely yes, this Holy Spirit has a body. The Holy Spirit body is Jesus Christ. And we are the body of the Lord. If the Holy Spirit has a body, it's us. It's the Lord and His Spirit in us. And yes, yes, the Holy Spirit does have a body. And so like unto that question, this question, how does God speak? Does God have a mouth? I don't know if you've ever thought about this. There's a lot of people that believe, I've heard it preached several times, that believe that man is a carbon copy of God in heaven. In fact, I heard a man who's passed on now and went to his reward. I don't know what that is, but anyway... He preached about God being, I think he said six foot two, 
about 180 or 90 pounds, olive skin, blue eyes, and black hair. That's a pretty good description of God. Um, I'm not sure where he got that from. Maybe out of GQ magazine or something. I don't know. That's not a description of God. That's a description of imagination. And there are those that believe that as God was in heaven, so Adam was in the earth. And that God said, let us make man in our image. And so the image of God was one of hands and feet and, and a body. Just like, who are you going to see sitting on the throne anyway? And so man has depicted this. You can look at all the pictures, mainly in the Catholic catalog. You can see all the pictures of God sitting on the throne. And there will uh, many times be the, the old man and then the young man who is kind of sitting by the old man. And if you're going to do that literally, then actually that picture needs to show the young man sitting on the hand, sitting on the right hand of God. And there flying in the atmosphere, there is a dove and so we have this picture of this, this God who is an old man, he's a young man, and he's a dove spirit. And then we combine all of those three and put them in a blender, and then that's what we have in God. But I have a, 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 an issue with this, which we'll get to. I don't believe that God is tangible. Does everybody know what tangible is? It's something that you can touch. It has some form to it. It has some definition to it. And I never see God, and I don't preach God this way as being a human being in heaven, but rather the intangibility of God, that he is not finite, but he is infinite. It's not contained in a specific body, and so unique to the human species, if we want to say species, the species of animals and the species of human, unique to the human species is the ability to force air through your vocal cords, your lips, your tongue, your teeth, and nose, and this forms what we know as coherent words. Why don't the animals talk? They don't have that ability. They can't speak. There's only one species that can speak, and it was formed in the image of God, who first knows how to speak. Speaking is a communication of our thoughts the processes of, of delivering to somebody else how we feel, what we know about a thing. Um, little children which, which begin to learn how to talk. And it's amazing, absolutely amazing, the first word that they learn. And I know mamas want to say it's mama and daddies want to say it's daddy, but it's not. It's no. And they get that booger and... It's a rough one to deliver them out of that one. But that's the first form that they can make with their mouth. And it just comes to them. You know, maybe it's all because we're, 
we're, we're, we're shaped in sin and iniquity, right? I mean, that rebellious nature right away. So we learned that word real quick, no. And uh, we've been telling mom and dad no for a long time, and then finally we got to God and we tell him no. It just is in our nature to say no. But our lips, our tongue, our teeth, uh, all of our features of our face were able to describe and tell somebody what's in our heart. Isn't that amazing? And without that ability, then we can't, you know, it, it would make life so much different if you couldn't talk. If you just went around and pointed at things, you know, it, life would be so different. But thank God that one of the things that he did for us was he passed along to us that was in his image the ability to talk and have conversation. And so James in the third chapter, I don't know if you've been there lately, and it's not something that I really like to, to read all that much because it, it, it reveals to us something about the tongue. Now, when it's talking about, the, James is talking about the tongue, he's talking about what you're saying. He's not just talking about what you're tasting or the tongue, little guy in your mouth. He's just representative of forming the words that you're saying. And uh, so I know when he goes up, I'm running out. Here we go. It's not time to quit yet. But the tongue, and so let's represent that as being what you say, okay? When, when James says the tongue, he starts out by saying, well, he said ships are run by a little rudder. This huge, humongous ship has got in the back of it a, a, a small, compared to the ship, a small rudder which turns and makes that ship go exactly where that captain wants it to go. He said horses have a bridle in their mouth. And it may take a little time for them to learn it, but it hurts their mouth if they turn the wrong way and you're pulling back and training them. And they have this little bit in their mouth. A horse is a big animal. And they can pretty much go wherever they want to go. But they are led by that thing, that, that small thing. And he says this about us. He says, he says the tongue, it, it more or less guides our life. What we say is so powerful in our life. And then he kind of goes along and says, but the tongue, it's on a, an unruly member. It's an unruly member. And so you never think of your tongue being an unruly member, right? No, my hand did that. But, but the tongue, it just, man, it, James said, it's set on fire of hell. Whew. I've got a thing inside of my mouth that's set on fire of hell. And who can tame it? But then he says, brethren, we ought not to be that way. Our tongues ought to be subject to who we are as Christians in our Christian faith. Can you say amen? A lot of times if we could just learn to tame our mouth and not say what comes to our head real quick, right? And just blurt something out when we do that normally. Um, I mean, even, even the Proverbs said that, that in, in, a, in a lot of talking, there's never a lack of wisdom. But our tongue, you know, we have this ability to speak, but, but then it's so important to us 
that our forefathers, when they founded the rules and laws and constitution of this country that we live in, they wanted to make sure of one thing, and that First Amendment, right out of the chute, was they wanted to protect the right to speak, the right to say what you feel, so that we couldn't be shut up and, and taxed without representation and all that stuff that happened in the old country. But this Constitution protects that, and that's, that's the words that are uttered out of our mouth. Now, there's a lot of things being said that I wish wasn't said. And if you listen to Hannity, he talks about this. You know, I, I don't like it that, that people can say some awful things. They can say awful things about the people that we like. They can say awful things about our past president. They can say awful things about anybody who's trying to do the right thing. But in our country, their right to say that is protected. But our right to say good things is protected too. And as people that have faith and we can get up on a Sunday morning and we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ whether they like it or not. And like Paul said, I'm going to get up and I'm going to say this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God into salvation. Now the world may not like that. And there's people in places in government that are trying to stop that freedom. But thank God that we've been given a free. I believe the freedom of speech is a right given to humanity by God. It's not given by a constitution. It's not given by a government or a people or a ruler. It's given by God. God wanted to communicate with man, and he taught man how to speak. And we have the freedom of speech this morning. Amen. So how does God convey his thoughts and his logic? We go to that word logos again, found in John 1.1, and really it is his logic and reasoning. And how does God communicate that, that to mankind, his intentions? Does God have a mouth in order to form words? to take breath out of the inside and with lips and tongue and teeth and even the nose make sounds. And I'm really not so sure about that this morning because John said God is spirit. And again, we, we look at him not as a carnal man. God is not a man. And we don't look at him as, as one who, who speaks in that order, but, but yet God does speak. And so... To us, the only way to speak is, is through the communication of our mouth. That's all we know. But to God, he was speaking before he created us with mouths. And so we have this determination to make about God. Is he tangible? Is he human-like in his features? Uh, does, does a spirit have a mouth? And does a spirit out of its mouth, does it speak or convey its words and thoughts? Or... Does God use other means to get the point across? And so it's really kind of an interesting thing because I believe that God has the ability to speak whenever, however, and speak loudly and determinately to us. We should be able to hear his voice when he speaks. But, but God doesn't speak audibly to everybody. Come on and say amen. I've been in this thing a long time. I have never heard the audible voice of God. 
I've talked to some who believe they have. My Uncle Skip, he was in his car alone driving, and he heard an audible voice say to him, you're going to preach this gospel in another land and to another people. And that was it. And he didn't know nobody was in the car, but he heard that voice speak to him. I believe God can do that. Do you believe that? Say amen. Jesus says in um, Matthew 4 and Luke 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, rather upon every word proceeding out of the mouth of God. And so when we look at them, they say, then, then does God have a mouth? And what does it mean? So I look up the, the, the definitions, and it just, it just means a mouth. There's, there's no other definition to it. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. But Jesus uh, said, it is written that man should not live. And if we go back to there, it was Moses who wrote that down, what Jesus quoted in Matthew 4. Moses wrote it down in Deuteronomy 8, 3. So God said it, but Moses wrote it. But still God had said it. And so it was the word of God that Moses wrote down. The word of God is his words written down. When God speaks, typically, usually, it's not audibly. There's a lot of people looking for the audible voice of God. If I can just get his direction, and so I'm, I'm going to wait until I hear an audible voice, and then I'll know what to do. And, and really, the whole time, I think we're missing the point. Look at Hebrews' first chapter in the first part of the first verse. It said, in times past, in divers' ways and manners, God spoke to the prophets in the fathers. Hmm. So the fathers didn't hear the voice of God audibly. What they heard was the prophets who spoke audibly. But the prophets, God moved in them, and this word spoke to them in the prophets or by the prophets is because this is the instrumental of the dative case in that God used the prophets to speak. How does God speak? Well, in the old time, in Hebrews 1, it said that God spoke. And I don't believe it was somebody else. I don't believe it was design of man. I don't believe it was just prophets saying things. But I believe God actually used them to speak his word. He's going to speak to the kings. He's going to speak to, he's going to, speak to, to the, the house of Israel. He's going to speak to the patriarch fathers. And what he's going to do is use the prophets. But in using the prophets, guess who's speaking? God is the one speaking to the fathers by the prophets. How does God speak? Well, in this case, he spoke through and by the prophets, they conveyed the voice of God. But in Genesis, the first chapter now, it says, And God said, but yet this is not proof that God has a, a vocal cord system. It doesn't prove that. He has the features of a man. But he will speak, and when he speaks, his voice will be heard. 
His voice went out in all the earth, and his voice is heard. Can you say amen? God knows how to speak without having vocal cords. He speaks to us in his spirit, in the form that he's in, in, in the, uh, uh, the, the uh, spirit form that he is in. He speaks out of that spirit, and it's a sound that you and I can understand. It will be clear. It will be loud, and it can be in any language whatsoever. God doesn't need to learn languages. The Spirit of God doesn't need to learn those languages, but when he speaks, everyone understands what God has to say. There's some examples in the Old Testament and in the New Testament about how God spoke audibly to some men. Noah Noah finds grace in the eyes of the Lord, and God tells Noah to build an ark. I'm going to have to believe that it was an audible voice. I'm going to have to believe that it takes Noah and captures him so much that he'll spend a 100 years building a boat when they've never seen a flood before. And somebody said, it hadn't even rained before. We don't know for sure if it hadn't, but there's a possibility that they never had that kind of rain on the earth. And now Noah says, hey, listen, I'm going to build this boat because God said it's going to flood. Well, how do you know God said? Well, he told me so, and, and the proof of that was that it absolutely did flood. The fountains of the deep broke up, and the waters came out of heaven until it flooded. But God had spoke to Noah. And then Abraham, God speaks to Abraham. Abraham, get you up, get you out of the land of the Chaldeans. I'm going to take you to a land that you don't know of, but that land is going to be yours and your generation, and that's, that's where you're going to settle, and your people are going to settle there. And Abraham gets up, not knowing where he was going, not knowing what land God was talking about, something about this spirit of, that spoke to him. I believe it was audibly. It spoke to him and said to him, and he moved accordingly. And then we know that Moses heard the audible voice of the Lord. Moses is on the backside of the desert. And there he sees a bush burning, walks and approaches that bush burning and notices that that bush is not burning up, but it continues to burn and burn, but the bush is still there. And God speaks to him out of that bush. And for the first time, he gets to begin to understand the voice of God because he's going up on a mountain of Sinai not too, many, too much time later and he's going to stand before God and God is going to speak to him as a man speaks face to face with someone else. God can literally speak with an audible voice should he choose to do so. In the New Testament, we find examples of it again. Peter, James, and John, they are with the Lord. They're on the Mount of Transfiguration. And a voice speaks. Out of the cloud that surrounded them, a voice speaks. This is my son. Hear ye him. And they heard that voice that said, Peter will recall that. And he'll say, we heard that voice when we were on the Holy Mount. That God literally, vocally, understandably spoke to them in an audible voice. They heard it. They saw it. They believed it. They took it as part of their faith. 
And then there was Paul, Paul of Paul of the old Pharisee sect who was out to attack the church. He's on his way. He's got papers to arrest. He's got papers to, to put people in prison. And God will literally knock him off of his animal. And then something happens when he's off of that animal. A great light shines around him. And he hears an audible voice of the Lord. Speaking back to the Lord, he says, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord says to him, I am Jesus whom you persecute. Now, I believe that to be the end of the audible hearings of the voice of the Lord. That's as far as Scripture goes. So primarily, God uses men to declare His will, His purpose, and His message. So if we're talking about the church now, and we'll bring it back into the context of the church, God, God speaks to the church. I don't believe He leaves us without hearing His voice. God speaks to the church. Somebody said, Lord, speak to me. And I'm, I'm going to give you some clues this morning that, that, you, that you can rely on this morning. God wants to speak to his church. God uses his voice to help us, to correct us, to guide us, to keep us. He uses his voice. And, and so we, we, we say, God, we want you to speak to us. And I found myself praying that, Lord, speak to me. And God does speak to his church. He does speak to his people. But our impressions are not necessarily the voice of God. Somehow we got to the place where we feel like that what we are impressed to do, what we are impressed to think, how we are impressed to take care of a thing in our life is God speaking, that that's his voice. But I want to take you down another path this morning because I don't believe that our impressions are necessarily the voice of God. Because I found out about me that when I want to do something, I hear God speaking favorably to me about that. It's just weird. I want to do it, and then God comes along and says, yeah, this is good for you. But really, my impressions may outweigh the voice of reason of God in my life. I cannot afford to let myself, my wants and desires and impressions of my own, outweigh the voice of God in my life. If I do that, I'm going into a spiritual condition that's not going to be good. Because I will forget the voice of the Lord, and I will move by impressions that I feel. Is everybody okay? Say amen. I know we've all done it. I know, you know, we're, 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 we're guilt, guilty, Lord, that, that I felt a certain thing and I thought it was you speaking. One of the problems with that is that I've acted on some things that I thought God was speaking and later on I was really, I was really sad that I did that because it wasn't necessarily the Lord speaking that. Because of human frailty, God in wisdom set up a rule and a measure by what we hear, whether that's audibly or spiritually. God set up a measuring system. Does everybody like a measuring system and accountability? Those people that like accountability, stand up and shout right now. We get anybody, no offers here this morning. But God sets up a system 
by which we don't just fly by impression or what we think God might have said because we are of human frailty. So God in wisdom sets up something better. Whether you heard it audibly, believe me that there are, there are angels, angelic beings that also can talk who are on the other team. And they're going to tell you some things and they're going to subject some things. Even Satan himself appears as an angel of light. He doesn't knock on your door and you open the door. He's got a pitchfork. He's got horns. And he's got a big long tail. And he's there to tell you. No, no, no. That isn't the way he works. He comes as an angel of light. What is he bearing? He's bearing a message that sounds right. It sounds good. But really the end of it, without it being measured, without it being weighed out, really it's destruction in our life. So God sets up a system and it's called the Holy Writ. It is called the Scripture. It's called the canon, or the word canon simply means the measure. If I hear a thing, whether it's audibly, whether it's impression, whether it's spirit, if I hear a thing that's not in line with the Scripture, then it is not the voice of God. This is good teaching right here. This is something to live on. Too many prophets out there. Too many people saying a lot of things for your life that God says over you. But if it is not aligned with Scripture, it is not from God. The measurement of our life is not another evangelist. It's not evangelist come in here this morning and he's got a prophecy for you. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you're going to have to let it go. Because God has a measurement for our life. There's something that's going to keep us. There's something that's going to make us to be overcomers in Christ Jesus. There is a directive that God has given us, and that is called the voice of the Lord. And when God has said it and it has been recorded, it is the truth all by itself. That's why I say the Scripture is 100% fail-proof. It is true. It is right. It is good. You can build your life on it because God already spoke it, and men wrote it down, and it is good good for doctrine. It is good for instruction. It's good for edification. It is good for the church to listen to the Word of God because the Word of God it is the overcomer of our life and our thoughts. So we measure. Some years ago wow I think we're talking maybe 15 years ago you brought out the measuring tape. Remember that? The Lord just stirred on your heart to talk about being measured. You remember that, Brother Chris. And I think you handed out tape measures. Who wants to be measured? Who wants to be measured? It, it's just so much easier for us just to judge ourselves by ourselves instead of being measured. I just want to be able to understand things the way I want to understand them. Don't judge me. <laughs> you heard people say, don't judge me. Well, I'm sorry. The Word of God is going to do that every time. 
And if you refuse to hear the word of God and the judgment of the word of God, then, then you just fall into a place of inaccountability where you're not measured. But, but we believe here that God's word is going to measure us. I don't claim to be 100% right. I don't claim to know everything. But I do know this, that whatever I come up with better measure to the word of God because if it does not measure to the word of God, then I'm the one that's out of sync, not the word of God. And so we measure. We measure. If we're going to measure the voice of God in our life, I think the first thing is we measure the source and by what inspiration that we have heard the voice of the Lord. What is the source? The Scripture said, be careful how you hear. Because sometimes the source that you're hearing it from it's not going to be the source that God is using. Sometimes, and I already talked about this, the inspiration which we feel. What is the source of that inspiration in our life? Is it the voice of God? Has it been the scripture of God? Is it the preaching of the word of God into our life? Or is it something that we're coming up with that we want, we designed for our life, we believe that God's in it and really don't want it measured. But what I'm saying to you this morning, if you get a word of God, it needs to be measured in your life. And here is the measurement, the word of God, the canon of God being the measurement. And then next, the procedure of checks and balances that are in the Word of God, and one of those is the ministry which is in the church. And I'm going to say this, and a lot of people don't like it because we're so independent in ourselves. We think we've got it all. We don't need somebody else. But God has designed something in the church. It's in the assembly, and God gave to the assembly. He gave them apostles, and he gave them prophets and evangelists and teachers and preachers. What did he give them for? So they could entertain the people on Sunday morning? No, so they could measure the word of God inside of the house of God. So I don't like to hear that, but, but there is this checks and balances that is built in to the Word of God that is distributed in the house of God that if we fail to use that in our life, we're in jeopardy of missing the voice of God. And then finally, the accuracy of what you have heard needs to be measured. It may not be accurate to the Word of God. Well, how do I find that out? Because that's how I feel. You go back to the second step. There are men of God that may be able to explain to you the way that God sees this, the way that God works this, His Word. This thing I love about, about uh, for, for the last 25 years, God has been doing in this church, not by me solely, but by the ministers and men of this church, God has been bringing revelation. And where does that revelation come from? Out of, out of the clear blue somewhere? No, it comes out of the Word of God. It's something already established, but yet God wants to build upon that. Maybe it's hidden. Maybe it's, un, it's covered and it needs to be uncovered. Maybe, maybe there's something there we never saw. And God has been 
anointing the men of this house, the ministers of this house, to come alongside and say, listen, the word of God is right, and we're wrong every time. God's word is right. Let every man be a liar, and let God's word be the truth this morning. I cannot stand back, even for myself, my own family. I believe God's word takes precedence. It's right. It's right above our feelings. It's right above what we want. It's right above what we know. God's word is the measure of accuracy that will guide us and keep us into eternal value. And let me say this. If you get a word of God in your life, you will embrace being measured. Because you're not going contrary to measurement. You're going alongside measurement. Pastor, I got this word. What do you think about that? And I have people come up and do that and say, what do you think about this? I've got this word, and, 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 and I don't know for sure, and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit and, 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 and just cover that as, as good as we can. But really, if you don't want to be measured, there's a reason why you don't want to be measured. If the word that you're hearing is not measurable, it is not a word of God. It might be a word from you. It might be a word from your friends. But it's not a word of God. Every word of God, man, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word proceeding out of the mouth of God. And every word proceeding out of the mouth of God is measurable. Can the church say amen? I think we need to give the Lord just a hand clap of praise right there. Right there. Right there. And so if we finish Hebrews, the first chapter first, and then go to the second verse, God's voice came literally to us in human form. See, Jesus, the one in Matthew 4, who's saying, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word proceeding out of the mouth of God. He really is literally the human form of God. In Hebrews first, first chapter, second verse, it says, He spoke in the prophets before time. But in the last days, He speaks to us how? In Son. And they interject His Son the son, a son, but just really the Greek text is just God spoke to us in son, in the form of son. Not in the form of spirit, but in the form of flesh. Now I want to tell you something about the Lord. I believe the Old Testament had its goings and doings. I believe God raised up kings. He raised them up for national purposes. God raised up prophets in the old time to talk to those kings and those fathers in the temple and, and the priesthood and the high priesthood and all of those things that happened there. But as we turn the corner, you see the differences between the Old Testament and the New Testament right there in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Is that we have a different thing that we're hearing now. We're not hearing a national message. We're not hearing a message of Judaism anymore. We're not hearing a message of the temple and sacrifice and, and temple worship anymore. It's, it's changed. We, we've come to the sun now, and, 
and the things under the sun are going to change. And, and so it's put this way in the great Kai Halagos, Sarks, Eganato, and, and the, the Logos of God now has become flesh and dwells among us. And those that, that ascribe Word, W-O-R-D, to the definition of Logos, fine, if we take it there, it's still that impression of God. It's still that voice of God. And there's only one that's going to be heard in this last time. Listen, we are in the final time. The earth has had its doings. They've had dispensations that's gone by. We are in the final dispensation, and that is the dispensation of the church. And I want you to know that in the dispensation of the church, there's one form of hearing God, and that is is the Son, Lord Jesus Christ. He is the voice. He has no contemporaries. He has no one that can match him. No one else is saying something over there that matters. What Jesus says matters to the church. And what Jesus said is going to be the rule and the law and the order of the church in which we live. So... We see in an Old Testament time, they have a partial disclosure. They have some things. They understand a little. Most is done in type and shadow and ceremony. Most of the things are done in duty. But then we come to the sun and we get a full disclosure of everything that God is. There's a real estate term which uh, those of you that's dealt a little bit with selling or buying, there is a term, and it has to be honored in real estate when you, it's part of escrow, and uh, it's called disclosure. See, you can sell a house that the plumbing doesn't work right, uh, the heating unit's messed up, you know, you know that there's some things that, that aren't really right. Foundation might be rotten in a corner, and, and you don't disclose that. You're going to get sued later. When the Lord comes, he's going to leave nothing hidden. But he is going to give full disclosure of the kingdom. So we don't need to look somewhere else. See, I'm baiting you a little bit here. We don't look somewhere else, but we look to the words that Jesus said. If you want full disclosure of the kingdom, this is where you go. If you want to know salvation, this is where you go. If you want to know lifestyle and communication of life, this is where you go. If you want to know what God thinks about things in your life, this is where you go because the word of the Son goes without an equal. There is no one who is able to stand up in his face and change his word. His word is eternal, written in the heaven. He wrote it. He said it. He recorded it. It is finished. It is done. It is stamped as, as solid as it can possibly get the word of Jesus Christ now is the new measure to our life. In this last dispensation of time, this church age, there's only one voice that matters. And that's the voice of the Son. Can you say amen?
So anyone who is seeking the Lord, there's no way. There's a, there's a preacher in San Antonio, I won't say his name, but, but I probably already said it anyway using this example. He said he believes that Jesus was not the Christ, the Messiah to the Jews. That God will do another Messiah to the Jews. Jesus was the Messiah to the Gentiles. Well, that's a pretty crazy thing because he didn't know that. Because he said explicitly this, there is no other name. There will be no other name. There's no one else to call. If you're looking for salvation, you can't call on something else. There's no other name. You can't just say Yahweh. You're going to have to say the name Yeshua. Yahweh came in flesh, and his name is Jesus. He's got the final word, the final say over salvation in your life. He's got the final say over the destiny of eternity in your life. I think I need to listen up to what he says. I like that song. You have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. There's a sound I want to hear, and that's that Jesus saves. There's a sound I want to know. Jesus cleanses from sin. Can you say amen? There's a sound I want to know, and it's the Lord's sound. Now I want to go into Romans, the 10th chapter, and we're going to wind down a little bit here and, and try and close um, in a few minutes. To Romans, the 10th chapter. Romans, the 10th chapter is anointed inspiration of God. It is dictation that Paul wrote down by the Spirit of God. So when I look at Romans 10, I say, who wrote it? Paul wrote it by inspiration of God. So who spoke it? It was God who spoke it. If you look at the Word of God as there are times when some of some of the writing that Paul addressed certain things to certain individuals. But when it came to doctrine, and you can just, you, you feel it. If you're reading along, your spirit begins to move inside when you realize that now God is speaking. Paul was speaking. In fact, in some places he said, I, Paul, speak this. By privilege, and this is not the voice of God, but, but when you get into the doctrine which is being laid down by the Spirit of God to the church, Romans 10 being one of those places. Romans 10 is all about salvation. We had a little discussion the other day, just real quick, on the internet. Somebody posted something on the church site, and that concerns me. I don't care anything. I didn't see it, Kay did, but that concerns me. I don't care what people post on their private stuff. That, it doesn't bother me at all. It's just go for it. Do whatever, you know. But when somebody posts something on the church and begin to argue with our beliefs and teachings in the church, and part of it was that, that water works a part of your salvation. And thank you, Brother Aaron. We've got one more session Wednesday night. Brother Aaron's going to teach one more time, but Aaron's been laboring on this. Water does not play a part in your salvation, but it is a part of your Christian activity. It's a, it's a type. It's something that we do in following Christ into baptism. But listen, Romans 10 is all about salvation in faith in Jesus Christ. Never mentions water. If water 
was the energizer, if it was the catalyst of salvation, then, then Paul certainly would have talked about that. But no, he goes right to Jesus Christ, the faith that's in Jesus Christ, and then he says a thing. Listen to this. But how shall they hear without a preacher? Have you ever thought about that? Faith comes by hearing. But how are they going to hear without a preacher? And then he goes on to talk about how God raised up preaching as his method to speak his word. And so the Lord is not going to speak out of the air to the lost, but he is going to speak out of his preachers to the lost. And so in wisdom, the world says preaching is foolishness, but but Paul says that by the Spirit that preaching is what God has chosen to his voice, to voice his gospel. He has chosen the power of preaching. And so in this last day, his voice is being heard. How is his voice being heard? Through apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and preachers. And outside of that, I'm going to really question what's going on. God has anointed his preachers of this gospel to give his voice to the people, to the congregation. Why do you think before Jesus left, he set up his church and he put in them those who were anointed to preach this gospel? That's why he did it is because it is given by men. Listen, angels have never appeared on this platform. And we've been 25 years preaching all of our brethren here. We've never one time seen an angel come up and grab the mic and begin to preach. God is using his method and his form and his format and the format of Jesus Christ to get his message of salvation, to get his message of God keeping, to get his message of blessing the church. It comes through those he has anointed to preach this gospel. Oh, how beautiful are the feet of those who carry this gospel. Can I get a little amen? It's just scriptural. Verse 18, he says, Indeed, all the earth, or into all the earth, went out their sound. Whose sound? Those anointed to preach the gospel. And their words into the ends of the habitable world. The church is at an age and a time that it should be thanking God for honest preachers of the gospel. They're a very, very rare breed who will get up and say the word of God. No matter where the chips fall, they're just going to preach the word of God. Men that will tell you the truth. Thank God for men that will tell us that after we've gone through this last year and all the debauchery that we felt in this United States of ours that's still going on, thank God for anybody who'll stand up and say the truth. The church should be, should be honoring like Paul said, honor, 
honor those that preach the truth, that bring the word among you. We should look around and at the men that are preaching that it's not easy. It's easier to go down the stream. It's easier just to float along and just go with everybody else. Maybe the church will get full. Maybe the coffers will be full. Maybe we can get bigger buildings. It's harder to say the word of God. And this is a thus saith the Lord, not some kind of phony prophecy about end times, but but the fourth telling of the word of God, the fourth telling of the mysteries of God, the fourth telling of the deep things of the Spirit is not easy. And churches should be thankful for the men of God who will do that. Can you say amen? So let's get to 1 Timothy, our text, in, in the fourth chapter and the first verse. The Spirit speaks expressly to the church. So that's an interesting concept. So now the writer, Paul, again, needs to sit back in the chair, let the Spirit speak. No, the Spirit is not speaking audibly to the church. Everybody, can I get your attention right now? The Spirit is not speaking audibly, expressly to the church. He's speaking by those who take the voice of God and reproclaim it to the people. That's exactly what Paul is saying here, Timothy, that that God is going to use his men to speak plainly, expressly to the church, but it isn't just going to come out of the air. It's going to be men and women who have decided to take the word of God at face value to preach that word of God, whether people like it, whether people don't like it, that the word of God is going to stand as the measure and the truth, and God is going to measure his church by this word. Can you say amen? And so listen, then, then we get to First Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, 19th verse. Quench not the Spirit. But we stop there and pull that out because what we believe that might mean is if somebody gets all, all happy and, and uh, all emotional, that they want to get up and stomp around the church and knock things over and tear things up, I'm quenching that Spirit. I'm going to quench it. If I can't quench it, I'm going to look over at Brother Chris and say, and we have done that at, at times. I'm going to quench that spirit. That's not the spirit of God. Well, Pastor, you know, somebody got up and they got a tongue and they're right in the middle of, a, of preaching a sermon. They, they get up, no, I'm going to quench that spirit. Because that's not even what this is talking about at all. You're going to have to couple it together with the next verse. Quench not the spirit and despise not prophesying. And the word prophesying here is foretelling. Oh, now we got something. Here's what the Lord showed me in this. Now we've got something. The man of God gets up and he's studied all week and he's got himself prepared and he's ready and the Lord begins to use him and he's preaching the word of God and he's staying within the bounds of the scripture. And he's preaching the word of God, and, and somebody doesn't like that kind of prophesying. And so the, the, the word here is despise not, but the word really means ignore. In other words, I want to hear what I want to hear, and I'm going to ignore everything else. Watch it now. Despise not prophesying, or don't ignore it, don't set it aside, don't not use it, don't make it as nothing. 
But God has called this together. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Because if you stop allowing men to speak into your life, if you stop allowing ministries and anointed men of God to speak into your life, you will quench the spirit in your life. And what you will hear then is not going to be the voice of God. I never saw that. Thank you, Lord. I never saw that. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Because it's easy for us when we hear a word that we like, when we hear a word we don't like, we go home and we despise the prophesying. You're going to quench the spirit of God. I pray this morning that you will open yourself to the word of prophecy in your life. And so forsake not the assembling and quench not the spirit are in lockstep together. Mm -hmm. You come to the assembly of God and you don't come here to hear what you want and come here to reject what you don't want, but it's in lockstep. Quench not the spirit of God when you get into the assembly because what's going to happen there if you have a true man of God, if you have true ministers of God in that place, God is going to use them for his voice to speak some things that may not be easy, but they are a blessing to your life if you adhere to it. And that's the word of God. He's right every time. I found out I'm wrong. People are wrong. Things are wrong. God is right every time. And God said it, and if I'd have just followed it in the first place, it would have blessed me. It would have helped me. It would have made my life expanded, but I didn't want to hear it, and I quenched the spirit in my life. Attending church doesn't mean you're part of the body. Listening to sermons doesn't mean you've received the word of God in your life. You can go to church and you can sit in every church service for 10 years and hear every sermon that's preached for 10 years That doesn't mean you're in the body of Christ, and it doesn't mean that you have heard a single word or received a single thing that will change your life. And I'm praying this, is that if we get this right, we're going to be like an early church. Come on. In lockstep together, we're assembling. We got that figured out. We like that. We like to assemble. That's why you're here this morning. Can you say amen? I love to assemble. I love to be in the house of God. I love the. These are the best people on the face of the earth. There is no better people in Anderson, California, than what's here right now this morning. You are good people. You are God's people. You are. You are great, magnificent to be around you. Just Monday, we're out there. It's so hot. You can't even. You. No way do you want to have a picnic when it's that hot. But we're all there because we love each other, because we are interested in each other. It was a great time anyway, even though it was hot. And we come together and we assemble. We've got the assemble down. We've got that figured out. We're assembling. But are we also not quenching the spirit in our life when God's got a thing to say to me? I want to hear what God has got to say to my life. I'm all the time saying, God, speak to me. And then I'm looking for something else. When God's trying to talk to me, it's right in front of me and I refuse to listen to it and I despise it I said God I'm really not fulfilling your will but if we get it right and we joyfully assemble how many is happy to be here this morning I mean you're not just here you're joyful to be here this morning Mm -hmm. 
and then with, with gladness of heart, they received the word of God. And when you get those two in lockstep, now you've got something going on in your life that's going to bring a blessing. Come on, say amen. It's going to bring you a blessing when you realize that being in the house of God and not only being in the house of God, but hearing the word of God is going to change my life. And those two things joined together are going to change the face of this church. Amen. In the first century, this was the future of the church. In the 21st century, it's still the future of the church. How bright our future is. We just got done. I'm, I'm going to stop because, I'm, boy, I'm, I'm preaching, but I feel like we're done. We just went to the graduation. It's the best graduation I've ever been to in my life. Not one of the students spoke. It was awesome. I can't take another. We are here. We're embarking upon the, the new ventures in life. I, I don't want to hear that they know nothing about life. Zero. And get them up there to talk about life. Potentials. What's in our future? I'm going to tell you something greater in our future, church. There's something that God has in store for this church. I said something uh, about a year ago. And the Lord just brought in my spirit, and I said, it's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But the second half is that it's going to get better. The potential of this church, the potential of your life hasn't been tapped into yet. You have a bright, bright future in Jesus Christ. Put together the assembling and put together the hearing of the word of God. You're going to have a bright, bright future. Can you say amen? God, speak to us, and we will listen. Somebody wrote a song and said, speak to me, and I will listen. But the problem was that guy wasn't listening to his preachers. He went out in adultery. He wasn't even listening to the preachers. How can you hear from God if you're not listening to his word? Can you say amen? And so we take that word of God. That's going to hold me. That's going to hold me. Brother said the other night, he said, I'm fighting temptations, and and in honesty, aren't we all? But I'll tell you, we've got the victory in Jesus Christ. We've got the victory in Jesus Christ. Victory in Jesus Christ. Victory in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There's an old song that said, victory ahead. <laughs> I'm not looking for defeat ahead. I'm looking for victory ahead. Can you say Amen. I'm looking for the great potential of God's outpouring in our life. I'm, I'm looking for a time when God's just going to expand so much in your life that you are going to be so thrilled by the word of God that you can't even put it down. It's going to be a joy to your life. And I know it's going to happen. It's out there. It's potential in our life. Would you stand? God bless you so much. God bless you so much. And because we're running over here a little bit, this, we don't need to play anything. We're, I, I'm sorry, I always, it's not, I'm not trying to be rude. <laughs> I'm just saying we, we run over a little bit. But I just want to do this. I just want us to search yourself just for a minute. And Paul said, putting, putting things behind me. Okay. If I've had places in my life where 
I'm really not hearing the voice of God. I don't want the measurement thing. I don't want, I need you to just put that behind me and say, Lord, now we're going to take a, a direction that's just going to open. It's going to open a door and an avenue to the goodness of God in your life. And so we're going to pray about that right now. And if you're honest about that this morning, I just want you to say, raise your hand and say, Lord, that's me right now. I want to hear your voice. If you want to hear God's voice, just get your, get your hand up. Get your hand up and say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. God, I want to hear your words, Lord. God, I want to hear it preached, Lord. I want to hear it taught. I want to hear it counseled in my life. I want the measured word of God in my life. Lord, I pray this morning that all over this church, I believe you would give me this message, Lord, for a blessing. That this church, Lord, would be blessed. That people would be blessed. And when we take your direction and we take your way, it's always a blessing to our life. And we just ask you, oh God, that, that even anoint us, even anoint us. Open our eyes, Lord. Open our hearts to hear you, to understand you, Lord. To follow you even more than ever before in our life. And we give you all the glory, Jesus. Can you say amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. <laughs>